Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Thank you, choir. Don't you appreciate our choir? Come here, Stephen Butler. Come here real quick. I just want to give a shout out to one of my favorite choir members right here. This man sings with passion, and he loves the Lord. I'm proud of you, buddy. Did y'all see him up there singing? I love that guy. the faithfulness of God. You know what else I'm glad for? That we have transitioned from political ads to holiday ads. <laughs> Amen. How many of you are glad the political stuff is over? Catch your breath because in about three months we're going to start running for president and it's going to be all over again. Amen. Amen. So good to see everybody. Good to be in church on a beautiful fall day. Are you glad? Amen. Joe Markovich told me yesterday, he said it took a hurricane to get rid of the summer. But here we are. Amen. Well, this past Tuesday, let me hit my start button. Not that it matters, but this past Tuesday was a day that's very special. Ushers, if you'll get ready, I'll call on you here in just a moment. But it was a very special and important day in our country. It was election day. Thank you, musicians. You've done a great job today, too. Amen. It was election day. Elections of various officials at many different levels of government happen often, but let me just say a couple things about election day before we move on. But every two years, we have the big elections, presidential elections, and then two years later, what we just had this week, is called midterm elections. Now, some of you are not political junkies like I am, so let me just indulge me here for just a moment. But I want to talk about this because it's important. They're called midterm because they happen in the middle of a four-year term of president, of, of every president. Every two years, some of you may not know this, but every two years, one-third of the Senate is up for election, and then all 435 seats of the House are up for election every two years. Usually... During a midterm election, the sitting president, his party, no matter whether it's Republican or Democrat, they always lose seats in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. This year was no different in the House. As a matter of fact, in the 21 midterm elections held since 1934, somewhat referred to as our modern voting era, but of the 21 midterm elections, only two presidents have ever gained seats 
in both the House and the Senate. That was Franklin Roosevelt and George W. Bush, both of them in their first midterm elections. Let me just recap in recent years what's happened. In, in 1994, the Democrats lost 60 seats, 52 in the House, 8 in the Senate, while Democratic President Bill Clinton was in office. 2006, Republicans lost 36 seats, 30 in the House, 6 in the Senate, while Republican President George W. Bush was in office. In 2010, Democrats lost 69 seats, 63 in the House, 6 in the Senate, while President Barack Obama was in the White House. And then this year, as a matter of fact, this week, although they're still counting votes in some of the, the races, and so this number might be slightly off. This was as recent as this morning that I, I checked to make sure I had the right numbers. But it appears that the Republicans lost 34 seats, 36 lost in the House while gaining two or maybe three seats in the Senate while President Donald Trump is in office. Now, what is significant about these numbers and why am I taking the time to kind of recap this today? I want you to know that it demonstrates that our country, although we are divided politically, this is nothing new. It's always been this way for decades. And I want you to understand that even though the balance of power is always shifting back and forth, if you pay attention to politics, you know. Here's the good news. Our democracy works in America. It works. Thank God for that. I'm so grateful that I live in a country that it really doesn't matter who's in charge or what the ebb and flow is. It works. And I want to tell you why it works. It works because of people who vote and participate in the process. That's why it works. Really, it doesn't matter how you vote. It does matter, but what I'm saying is it doesn't matter how you vote. It makes the process work. And I want you to understand that voting is a privilege. And in today's world of instant access to news and to social media, there's a new phenomenon that has caught on in the last decade or so. And it's getting the I voted stickers when you vote. And then what's recent, really has caught on in recent years is posting photographs of you with your sticker on social media. Go ahead and roll the, the video now. It's going to play in the background while I'm talking here. I like the voting stickers. I'll just give you a minute to look at the screen. These are all life church people, by the way. Let's give them all a hand. And you can keep that rolling in the background. Go ahead, keep it rolling, Glenn, without the music for a few moments. Now, 
I like the stickers, and I like people posting these selfies. And I'm normally not a guy who's real fond of all the selfies, but let me tell you why I think this is an important trend in our country. It is a way to show people that, number one, you participated in your civic duty. It's also a way to encourage others to participate. And just as importantly, now this is just my opinion, it also adds some fun and happiness to kind of put an exclamation point on what is usually a very stressful and divisive time in our country. It's kind of like I voted and it also says it's finally over until the next time rolls around. I love it because it's kind of a way, if you're on social media, if you're on social media at all, the last several weeks is so divisive. It's so ugly. There's so many mean-spirited ads. And it's fun to scroll through on Election Day and see all the smiling faces of your friends that voted, isn't it? It's kind of, it's becoming one of my favorite social media days next to Mother's Day, Christmas, because you get to see all the, the happy faces. I voted stickers say, I did it. It's over. I'm smiling. You should smile. Doesn't matter if your guy wins and my guy loses. Let's celebrate another great aspect of America. We voted. Amen. Now, but today, with voting, uh, and, and I voted declaration still in our minds, I want to talk about another great institution. One that is far greater than voting and one that is even far greater than our country. I want to talk to you today about the church. Now, I voted on Tuesday, but every week I attend the greatest body on this earth. That is the church of the living God. Amen? Now, I noticed that people were joking on social media on Tuesday that some people only vote on Tuesday so they can get a sticker and post it on social media. <laughs> that might be true, I don't know. But you know what it did? It gave me an idea. Now today as you came into the building, the greeters were handing out stickers much like the ones that you got at your voting precinct on Tuesday. Ushers, go ahead and come on up. If you don't have one of these stickers, I want you to please raise your hand because I want everybody to have one. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Just raise your hand if you don't have one or if your children upstairs, they're getting one too. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Now, I've got a favor to ask, and I want you to join in with all of us for some fun today and even something that's more fun. First of all, everybody, please take a, take a sticker, and if you haven't put it on yet, put it on yet. That would be a great appreciation uh, that I'm asking. There's some hands in the back. Now, here's why I want us to do this. And here's the fun part. I want every person, now don't do it right now, because I know what some of you do. You don't only take a picture, but then you take 10 minutes to edit it. You got whiter teeth. You have no blemishes. All the wrinkles are gone. You Photoshop ain't got nothing on some of y'all's pictures. But here's what I want you to do. I want every person who loves the church to put a sticker on and after church, whether it's outside or in the lobby or in the auditorium or right here at the restaurant, I want you to take a selfie, okay? Whether it's alone or with your family and friends, and I want you to post them, and you'll understand why here in just a moment. I want you to post them on your social media account. 
on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, whatever you use, and I want you to add some hashtags. I don't know where the slide is. Put the slide up with some of the hashtags. If you think about it, I want you to add the hashtag, and if you don't know what a hashtag is, there they are. Life RVA, LC is my church, or I attended LC. Now, here's why I want you to do this. What's my thinking behind this? If we can celebrate a divisive event that tries to divide us into friends and enemies over politics that takes place every two years called an election, I want us to take the same I voted sticker concept, I want us to post on our social media accounts, and I want us to wear for a witness and for a little fun. I want us to celebrate something that is far greater that we are as committed believers do once a week, not every two years, that we come together in the body of Christ. We bring people of all backgrounds together. We bring people of different political views together. We bring people of different racial uh, 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 segments together. We bring people of different backgrounds together. And I want everybody on our social media accounts to know that we have a great church here at Life Church. I want to celebrate God's church, the body of Christ. I want everybody in town to know that we have the greatest church in town, we've got the greatest people in town, and that the church is still a priority and it is important in 2018 regardless of what society says. Do you understand that if all of us corporately, we have hundreds of thousands of friends on social media, so I want them to know there's a great church in town and that we have fun and we enjoy being part of the body of Christ. Today's sermon is this, why I attend church. Why I attend church. I want to tell you, I love my church. Why is it that the church is such a special place and we should not only like it, we should love the church. Jesus Christ himself, God manifested in the flesh, said that he would build not a church, or the church, but he said, I'm going to build my church. The church is referenced at least 114 times in the New Testament. In Ephesians, it tells us that Jesus nourishes and, uh, and cherishes the church because verse 30 says that the church is his body. It is his flesh. It is his bones. Hear me. You cannot love Jesus and hate his church. I've said this before, but I'll use this illustration again because I think it's the best one. You can't love Jesus and hate his church because his church is his bride. You can't tell me you love me and tell me you hate my wife because guess what? We're going to have a problem. You can't love me and hate my bride. It ain't going to work. You can't love Kevin Coley and despise Mika Coley because if you love Kevin, you've got to love his bride. If you love me, you got to love my bride. And guess what? If you love Jesus, you've got to love his bride. Amen? The church has mixed reviews today. It's cherished by many. It's despised by some. It's loved and revered while it's also hated and rejected. It's respected and admired while it's also cursed understood yet the church is totally misunderstood God's church is not like anything else in the world it is not the White House it is not Hollywood it is not some form of entertainment I'm referring to the church God's church there is nothing else like it on the face of the earth what is it that draws us to the church 
Are we here for the lively singing? We had fantastic worship today. Make a great job. Are we here for the preaching? Are we here for the music? Are we here for the great kids ministry that's going on upstairs? Do we come because we have nothing else to do on Sunday mornings? Do we come because we're scared of the devil? Do we come because we don't want to go to hell? What is the church? A contractor might view it as a building. A theologian might define it in terms of doctrine. A moralist may look at it in terms of ethics. A legalist might define it by its rules or its traditions. But the New Testament tells us that the church is the body of Christ in the world of which Jesus Christ is the king. It is the kingdom of God of which he is the ultimate ruler. It is the flock of which he is the shepherd. It is an army over which he is the commander. It is the bride to whom he is the bridegroom. That's why we need a new love and a new respect and a new appreciation for the church in 2018. Can the church say amen? I want to encourage and remind us today, you need to be careful how you feel and how you talk about the church because you're talking about the bride of Christ, a bride that has been set apart for the master. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the word church, this is the first time it was used, is, is the Greek word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. I'm going to also remind us what the church is supposed to be today. The called out ones. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, We are to come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. And as the body of Christ, we are still supposed to be the called out ones identified with him and called out and set apart for him. We operate under his leadership and authority. We operate under the, the canopy of his thoughts and in accordance with his will and in the direction of his spirit. Amen. Some fault the church and say it's just a crutch for the unstable. I'm glad that the church is a crutch when I need it to be. Amen. You would never criticize a man with a broken leg losing, using crutches. You would never, never criticize somebody with a messed up back using a walker, amen? I'm glad that the church is a crutch when I need it to be. Some people say the church is just a social club or a Sunday soothe my conscience, feel good activity. I want to tell you that I'm glad that I can meet healthy, positive, godly people that I can develop good relationships with in the church. Call it a social club if you want to. It's the best place where you can make the best friends. I'm here today to talk about the good things of the church. Some say that the church is just a sanctuary for the feeble-minded or the intellectually inferior. No, no, no. It is the body of Christ in the world. The church is divine in her origin, in her design, and in her construction. It was founded by Jesus Christ. We are his body in this world, and the world must have a church, and folks, Richmond must have a church like Life Church. Hear me. I love the church. I love the church. I love the people in it. I love the building we meet in. I love the God that we serve. I love my church. Somebody say my church. See, this is not just the church. This is not just your church. This is not just a church. This is my church. I love the good people in it. I also love the kooks that are in it. Yeah, we got a few, amen. <laughs> I love the givers and I love the takers because I believe that there's still hope for the takers and they can learn the joy of giving to their life something greater than just themselves. I love them. 
I love the screaming kids and the walls that always need painting and the stuff that needs to be replaced because it gets broken. You want to know why? It means there is life in this place. It means there's life in this place. And we have younger generations that are hearing the gospel. Amen. I love the carpet that we just replaced. I even love the septic tank that is going to cost us tens of thousands of dollars to repair. Because guess what? It's a sign that people are in this place and we are doing life together. I can make a lot of funny potty jokes right now about the septic tank, but I won't. Hallelujah. We've seen a lot of glory these last couple of weeks. <laughs> and I'll probably tell you next week what, what the cost of this stuff's going to be once we figure it out. Amen. But guess what I know? God's going to take care of it. Can I talk to you for a moment? Dead churches don't have loud kids or nursery problems or rebellious teenagers because guess what? Families with kids won't go to a dead church. But they are all here, and that's one of the reasons why I love my church. Dead churches don't have teenagers and young adults with self-esteem issues who struggle with their sexuality or struggle with addictions because dead churches just condemn them instead of trying to understand them and love them. But I'm glad I attend Life Church. Come on, somebody. Dead religious churches don't have new people attending who are doing drugs or people who are shacking up with their boyfriends and girlfriends or people who cuss and smoke and drink because religious people run those people off and offend them with their self-righteousness before they have a chance to experience life change. But I'm glad I go to Life Church. Oh, come on, somebody. You can find fault with the church if you want to, but I love the fact that I'm in a church that embraces everybody. That's why I attend Life Church. I attend a life-giving church that has broken the chains of religiosity off of us, and we embrace everybody that walks through these doors. Somebody shout, I attend a great church. Everybody loves the church. Some people don't know what they want in a church. Some people think they know, but they really don't. Some people have different expectations. Don't you wish you could find the perfect church? Don't you wish that you could find the perfect place to worship where everything always goes just like you want it to? Can I just give you a newsflash? You're not going to find that place. It doesn't exist. Because guess what? Some of the things you love about Life Church, there's other people that don't like it. Some of the things you hate about Life Church, there's other people that love it. Amen. You're not going to find a perfect place. You can love the church, though, that God has placed you in. If you're looking for a perfect church, can I just tell you right now, if you're a guest, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're going to have to keep looking. You're at the wrong place. I'd love for you to come and be a part of this church family, but if you're looking for perfection, this is not the church you're looking for. This is not a perfect church. We don't have perfect pastors. Life Church is the best one, though, that I have found. I love my church, and I attend, and I support my church faithfully. What am I doing? Today, we're going to take a break from talking about all that's wrong with Christians, and I'm going to brag on the church. Thank you. People want to kick the church when it's down. People want to kick Christians when they mess up. But I'm going to tell you right now, I love my church. Thank you for that gratuitous response. 
See, we are entering into a fresh wind. Hear me. Life Church is entering into a new season. We're entering into a fresh outpouring. I attend Life Church. Can I tell you something? I love the pastors that are here. I love the music people that are here. I love the ministers that serve here. I love the greeters that are at the door here. I love the musicians that play in the band here. I love my church. I love the choir that sings here. I love the teachers who are teaching here right now. I love the nursery workers that are serving all of us right now. I love my church. I love the grass that grows in the yard. I love the air conditioner that blows in the auditorium. I love the toilets that flush in the bathrooms. I love my church. I love the praise singers who lead us. I love the sound man in the back. I love the preacher's wife on the front row. Glory. Hallelujah. I'll stop right there. And I love all my friends that are scattered around this building in between. I love my church. I love those of you that have been with me for almost 30 years, and I love some of you that are in this room that I don't even know your name yet. I love my church. I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I love the white ones, the black ones, the brown ones, and the ones that are a little bit of a mix of all of them. I love my church. I love loud and demonstrative brothers like Kevin Coley. Come on, somebody. I love the quiet and reserved ones like Ronnie Rutherford. Amen. I love the huggers in this church, and I love the folks that got their hands up and they want to be left alone. Come on, I love the teenagers, and I love the gray-haired saints. I love the babies, and I love the baby boomers. You see, I love my church, and you ought to love your church too. Somebody ought to give God a praise right now. Thank God you're in the church. Thank God you're in the body of Christ. keep going. I love the Republicans. I love the Democrats. I love the Libertarians. I love the people that stay at home and don't vote. I love the tree huggers. I love the right wingers. I love those that vote the way that I do, and I love those that vote the wrong way. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding a little bit there. I'm just kidding a little bit. Amen. <laughs> See, I love my church. I love my church. I love the cool people in this church, and I love the nerds that are in this church. I love it when the lights are on, and I love it when somebody turns the lights off. Amen. I love the country boys. I love the city slickers. I love the blue-collar workers. I love the white-collar workers. I love the corporate people. I love the construction workers. I love that we have to vacuum mud off of, uh, off of the carpets where somebody comes in from work, straight from work with mud on their boots. I love it. I'd love it even more if you wiped your feet at the door before you came in, but I still love it. I love my church. I love the high schoolers. I love the homeschoolers. I love the graduates. I love the dropouts. I love the cowboy fans. I tolerate the redskin fans. That was for you, Steve. I love my church. I love those who prefer jeans and T-shirts on Sundays. I love those who like to wear a three-piece suit. I love those that wear jeans and a necktie on the same day. See, I'm not just saying this. I really do love the church. I love it because they found me when I was lost. They found me when I was lost. They didn't judge me when I was a 15-year-old redneck who was cussing and stealing and breaking into houses and selling drugs at school. They loved me. 
man named Hoppy Childress. That was his nickname, Hoppy. His name is David. He loved me. You can talk bad about the church, but the church saved me. This church saved me. I'm sorry, I didn't expect to be emotional. I just thought this would be fun. Hoorah, I love the church day. I love the people that are like me. I love the people that are not like me. I love the people that share my values and opinions, and guess what, now, I didn't. I wasn't always this way, but now, at the age of 52, I also try to learn from those that I don't agree with, and I at least try to understand those who are different from me. And I realize I, might always, I may not always be right, even when I'm right in my own eyes. By the way, can I just say this? Love your neighbor does not mean love just the ones who vote like you, look like you, and live like you. We've got idiots on both sides. Idiotic Democrats, idiotic Republicans that hate one another and can't find middle ground. You know what? We need to find middle ground and we need to love each other. That's why I attend the church. Are we perfect? Of course not. Do you always do things the right way? What do you think? Do your pastors always have a good attitude? Nope. You should have been here one day when I was out here and we were trying to figure out what was wrong with the tanks. I finally told Debbie, I was in the lobby, I said, I got to leave because all I'm going to do is be mad while I'm here. Sorry, that's who you're stuck with for a pastor. I said, I got to go because I'm, I'm not being Christ-like right now. See, we're a church, we're a family. We're sticking together. And today we're wearing stickers together because we love the same Jesus and we love his body, the church. Amen? And for those of you who are members here, we specifically love Life Church. See, the devil would like to destroy us, divide us, distract us. But let me tell you something, he's failed every time he's tried to do it. He would like to confuse us, but his efforts have failed because his lies have been exposed. I love my church. Now, if we were to ask the question, what's wrong with the church? Guess what? All of us could give some answers. We all could. And guess what? Most of us would be right. The easiest job in the world, though, is that of criticizing the church. Here we always remember that criticism is the poorest substitute in the world for serving. Any critic can stand back and poke. But when you get in and you put your hands on the oars and you get involved and you become a part, guess what? You become a part of the solution and not the problem. Amen? Sometimes criticism is deserved and things have got to be evaluated and adjusted, and we've been doing a lot of that. Sometimes we people get critical because they themselves are not living up to what they need to be. And it's a lot easier to poke fun at people in the body that aren't doing well than to really do introspection in your own life. But see, I love the church. Sometimes we're guilty of spiritual neglect and in an effort to justify ourselves, we find fault with the body of Christ. People will say, I don't go to church for this reason or that reason or I don't give because of this or I don't serve the church for this and I might have to go elsewhere because of whatever. Now I realize that no church is perfect because it's made up of human beings, but we've got to admit this. There is way more that is right with the church than there is wrong with the church. And can I say this? We've got to come together 
and acknowledge that we've got way more in common with each other than what we don't have in common with each other. And some of us, we bring denominational nuances with us. We bring uh, paradigms that we grow up with. We bring certain thinkings that we grow up with, and that's all right. But guess what? Sometimes you got to check those things at the door, and we've got to come together as the body of Christ and celebrate the fact that we recognize Jesus as our Lord, Jesus as our Savior, Jesus as our God, and that is our common ground. That's why I attend church. So instead of running down the church, let's talk about what's right with the church. There is no perfect church, and you and I need to commit to do everything in our power to make this church, your church, the best one it can be. Somebody shout with me, I love my church. I've told you what I love about the church. Now quickly, i got a few minutes left. Let me tell you just a couple reasons why I love the church told you what I love. Let me tell you some reasons why I love the church and why I attend my church. First of all, I attend because my church is built on the right foundation. What is that foundation? It is Jesus Christ and the apostles' doctrine. Matthew 16 and verse 18 says this. You've been waiting on a Bible verse to validate that this is a real sermon. Here it is. Also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Now what's the rock? Peter just made his, now you got to read the scripture in, in, in context. Peter just made a great confession in Matthew 16 and 16. By the way, I'm just throwing this out here because it's still early and I'm, I don't want to surprise. We are going to get into the word of God in 2019. We're going to get into our Bibles. One of the things we're going to do, I haven't told anybody except my wife this, we're going to do a 30-day New Testament challenge. We're going to challenge. We're going to give you printouts, and we're going to show you how to do it. We're going to challenge this church to read the entire New Testament in 30 days. It's easier than you think. That's right. Hold that book up, brother. Amen. You know what I did? I just made sure that I'm going to do it because I announced it. See, Peter just made the great confession in Matthew 16, 60 when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hear me, some churches are built on the wrong things, but we have the right foundation. Some might argue that we would fill our building, but we would just relax on the message of salvation or lower the bar on godly living. But if we do that, hear me, we cease to be the church. Hear me, we still need to preach the apostles' doctrine and we still need to preach coming out of the world of darkness. Now, I'm not picking on any specific churches or any denominations, but hear me. There are enough churches that have watered down the truth and compromised. Let's be the church that God has called us to be and be a light of truth in this dark world. Amen? We need to be the real church, strong and powerful and true. It is no longer fashionable in the church world to preach about sin. But hear me, I love my church too much to not preach about sin because if we preach the truth and if we are not afraid to preach against sin, but we got to do it with love. Some churches, they don't even say the word sin anymore. We still believe, hear me, that a saved person needs to become a sanctified person. You need to become set apart. 
You need to pursue a holy life. Let me talk about holiness for a moment. Holiness is not a word that should spook us or make us get on the defensive. Holiness is not a destination you arrive at. It is a journey that you are on that never ends while you're a believer. Holiness is not a negative word that should conjure up in your mind a list of rules and restrictions or legalistic constraints, but unfortunately, that's how most people view the word holiness. But the word holiness should cause us to think in terms of what can I do to be more Christ-like? Holiness, the scripture says that all of us as believers are imparted with a measure of holiness. But the holiness is imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. And hear me, it will lead you to make God-honoring choices in your life about how you live. Because it matters how we live as believers. It does. Holiness will impact your life, and that's one reason why I attend the church. Because the life I was living when I was 15, 16 would not have brought me to where I am today. Somebody had to admonish me to live a holy life. Holiness will cause you, hear me, what is real holiness? I'll tell you what it is. Holiness will cause you to love people that you don't normally like. Holiness will cause you to judge yourself and not others. Holiness will enable you to worry about keeping yourself saved and not trying to legislate other people's lives. Can the church say amen? Come on, that's a sure foundation. Holiness means you understand and give forgiveness. That's what holiness is. See, we don't judge somebody because they've sinned and they've got the guts to keep coming to church despite people's glares and their own inner condemnation. We need that kind of love in the church. Amen? Go ahead and clap your hands. See, I want to be in a church that's built on the right foundation, and that is one of the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul warned us that it wouldn't always be that way in the last days. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. And notice, there's some that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven, I love this. Paul said, if, even if we or if an angel comes down from heaven, don't believe it. So don't even believe an angel from heaven. If they preach any, verse 8, if they preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. That's why I said we've got to love the gospel of Jesus Christ and the apostles' doctrine. Paul said we've got to believe the apostles' doctrine. What they preached about in the book of Acts, what they talked about in the epistles, those are letters to us that show us how we're supposed to live as the body of Christ. And I love my church because it still preaches the gospel and it has the right foundation. Amen. Do you have time for a couple more? I attend my church because it's full of real people. I love Life Church because we have real people here, not religious professionals. When we mess up, we don't get kicked down kicked out we get love and grace it's because we're saved and we're kept by his grace see we got people that are members here that love the Lord that still struggle with drug abuse we've got members here that love the Lord that still struggle with alcohol addiction we've got members here that struggle with pornography we got members here that have got messed up marriages we've got members here that are struggling with emotional problems and depression and are fighting all kinds of inner battles we got people here that are messed up and guess what that's what the church is supposed to be. 
The church is a hospital for the broken, not a museum for the sanctified. Come on. Because members make mistakes. This church wants to help them overcome their failures. There might even be a few hypocrites lingering around their edges, but guess what? As long as they're here, they still have a chance. We recognize that the only way we are righteous is by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are real people. We got people here that make good money. We got people that are unemployed. We got people who are students. We got people who are teachers. We're just a church full of real people. People of different colors, different political philosophies, even different denominational backgrounds. We're trying to follow the Bible on a journey through this world. Real people. We're people who need the church because it brings peace and contentment to troubled hearts and lives. That's why we attend church. We are ex-cons, ex-liars, ex-thieves, and ex-addicts. Some of us have checkered past, and some of you just didn't get caught. <laughs> Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil, amen? We got real people here. We love this church because we encourage people to live at their best, but we love them when they're even at their worst. If you want a church where everybody's tight and right, wrong church. Keep looking, amen? If you want a church where there's wounded souls and battered lives, welcome. Welcome to our hospital. We're not pretenders here. Most of us keep our egos in check most of the time. See, not that there's anything wrong with it. You may not have ever noticed, but we don't reserve parking spots here for pastors or for the greeter of the month. Most of our leaders park in the grass so you can have a paved spot. The only reason, the only reserved spots we hear are for guests and for the handicapped. Did you notice we don't have big giant throne chairs up here? Where the pastor walks up, he sits on his high and lofty place. Okay, I'm meddling now. I need to stop because I might be talking about your old church, amen? See, we're just real people here. And I love my church. We don't treat people any differently based on their income or their IQ. We don't think you have to dress a certain way to be a part of this church. We don't even think you got to dress up on Sunday, but if you want to, have at it. That's awesome. So you need to be more worried, be more worried about being your best than dressing your best. That's how I feel. We're just real people here. And I love my church for that. I love my church because it opens doors to real friendships, real relationships. I love my church because people invite me into their homes and into their hearts. Sometimes friends in this world will flee when trouble knocks on the door, but not your real friends in the body of Christ. They will stand with you with welcome smiles and outstretched hands. And if they don't, the Jesus of this church will. It's been told that Dwight L. Moody was young many years ago and when he first started attending church, he filled the pew in his church full of boys and girls from the streets. Dwight Moody would go pick up street people and bring them to church. Well, apparently the church that he was in didn't like it. This is a true story. And the presence of these children that Dwight Moody had brought into the church disturbed all the sophisticated folks in the church. It bothered them so much when Moody was ready to become an official member. He was presented for official membership in the church, and the board told him, you need to think about what you're doing and some of the people you're bringing. Think it over and pray about it for a month and then come back to us. The next month, Moody came back before the church board again about his membership, and they asked him, they said, did you follow our suggestions? And he said, I did. 
They said, you prayed about the people you're bringing? And he said, I did. He said, and what did the Lord say? One of the board members asked Mr. Moody. This is what Moody said. I love it. He said, the Lord told me not to feel bad about being rejected for membership here because he, is, he has been trying to get into this church himself for the last 25 years unsuccessfully. <laughs> God said, don't feel bad about them not letting you in because they won't let me in either. I love it. Did you know there's some churches that Jesus does not even feel welcome in? Hear me loud and clear. Unless you make problems or you are just impossible to deal with, everybody is welcome in this church. Everybody is welcome in this church. This is a real church for real people. I wish that was our motto. And I love my church. It was real people, hear me, that helped shape my life. real people in this church that demonstrated to a young newlywed man how to build a home and a marriage based on God. You want to know how I've done so well with my wife and our family? It's because of the influence of real people like Debbie and E.B. Fuller. E.B. has passed away. People like Clyde and Judy Pavey. Clyde, raise your hands. I was a young man in this church and those couples demonstrated to me the love of Christ. And they showed me how a marriage works. They show me how a marriage works through turmoil. They show me how a marriage works through crisis. They show me how a marriage works when you've got abundance and when you've got lack. E.B. Fuller was one of the greatest Christian men that I knew. I loved him. You know why? He was real. He was raw. He was a hard worker. He would give you the shirt off his back. He would. Wasn't he, Debbie? <laughs> and I love you. Come on. Can I just tell you, you can't get that in the world. You can't get that. It was real people in this church that taught me lessons about forgiveness that I will never forget because they're real people. It was real people in this church that taught me at the age of 15 how to put God first with my tithes and my offerings, and I'm so thankful that they did. And they taught me how to live on what I make regardless of the amount. And now today, 37 years later, I am blessed. I love my church. Real people taught me when I was 16 years old, a brand new believer that had just given up drugs and alcohol, that had just come back to school. I had been expelled for selling drugs at my school. I had been gone for almost a year. I was back in my school. It was real people that told me when I was 16 years old that it was wrong for believers to be yoked with unbelievers, and they told me, don't you dare date girls that are not in the church. Oh, it's getting quiet again. Because guess what? That's still the Bible way. Did you know the Scripture says that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers? That strong influence and that good teaching helped keep me pure and led me to my wife who had the same convictions. And let me tell you, when I got in church and cleaned up my life, there was, and I'm not bragging, but there was no lack of girls that the devil was sending my way that did not fit the bill, that were not the ones that God had planned for me. And I had to stay pure. But thank God I did. Young people, young adults, hear me. I'm throwing this in. This isn't by accident. This is a little bit of pastoring. You need to make that conviction and make that commitment and say, God, I'm only going to date believers. 
Come on, you're not, you're not hearing that much in the church anymore. You need to say, I'm only going to date a believer. God's going to send me the right person, and if he doesn't, I'm going to be happy single until he does or if he does. Real people taught me what it means to stand in the midst of a storm and not quit. In this real church of and for real people. I love my church because it's full of people, real people. Sure, there's a few posers here. There's a few, a few fakes. That's normal. So what? I still love my church. And that's why I attend. I attend because this is where, I'm sorry I'm gonna, running over today, but I think it's important to, to talk about how blessed we are. I attend because this is where I worship and where I'm spiritually fed. That's why I come to church. You want to know why you need this church? It is the meeting place for the saints of God. Here in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this, Let us ne not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now you picked a good day to be at church, amen? Because it seems as if today many people that call themselves Christians do not feel that it's important to go to church faithfully. I know I'm getting in your business today. But you need to be at church, a church, some church, faithfully. Because that's your source of strength. Can I dig a little deeper? Your chores, your garden, your hobbies, your sleeping in, it's a poor excuse not to go to church. You need to make church a priority. Make worship a priority every week unless you're sick or unless you have to work. Come on, somebody. That's why I love my church. You know why? Because right here at Life Church, I meet together with God's people to blend together in spirit and in truth and worship the one true living God. Right here at Life Church is where I receive strength from God and from each other. I attend this church to hear biblical teaching and preaching that is life-giving and is not dead. I attend here so I can lift my hands and my voice and worship with other people. Amen. I love to come to Life Church because I can dance, I can shout, I can clap, I can raise my hands, I can shout for joy, or I can just sit there with tears running down my cheeks. Come on. I never want to lose that experience when I come to church. I attend here because our children get to receive age-appropriate instruction and worship experiences that help them grow as young believers and solidify their faith at a young age. I attend here because I have opportunities to use my gifts on a dream team and serve others in my community. I attend here because I can join a small group that allows me to grow spiritually and connect relationally to other believers. And everything I said about the benefits of coming to church are completely up to you. Whether you want to make it a priority in your life or not, you need to be faithful to the house of God. And finally, and I conclude, praise and prayer team, come on up. Get, get in your positions. I attend here because the church is where people can get saved. Amen? Now, I know people can get saved outside of the church, but the church is specifically designed so people can find God. Why does Richmond need life church? Simple, for the salvation of the lost. Our responsibility is reaching lost souls with the message of salvation. It is our duty to extend and grow the church by winning the lost to Christ. Hear me, all of the benefits that I mentioned about the church, guess what? They're really just icing on the cake. <laughs> They're really just things to enhance our walk with God. 
They're really extra because beyond our salvation, hear me, the church is really not about us. I've been telling you all the great things I love about the church, all the things that I enjoy about the church, but guess what? It's not about us. We're supposed to take what we have received and take it to others so they can experience the love of Christ. Amen. Jesus took time to talk with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well because he wanted her to be saved. The scorn of the Pharisees didn't stop him from eating with sinners. Their need of salvation was his motivation to reach the world. Jesus refused to seek the favor of political leaders. But instead on the cross, he turned his attention to a dying thief. And when that man expressed his faith in the Lord, Jesus said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. The main concern of Jesus Christ was the saving of lost souls. His last act on the cross was winning a soul. And his last command was for us to win souls. See, the church has got to be a place where evangelism is at the highest of priorities. And I'm not just talking about an occasional block party. I'm talking about personal of personal evangelism and the sharing of your testimony with lost souls. And I'm glad I'm in a church that reminds me of that when I need to be reminded. See, we're to reach out with the gospel to a lost and dark world. The church must never become a showplace for talent. It's not designed to promote our personalities. The church is not just a social club or entertainment. Whatever we do has got to be toward saving souls. This is not a museum that's built to honor a religion or a denomination. It is a hospital for the saving of the lost. And if you're here today, hear me. If you're here today, the most important thing that I can say, if you don't know the Lord personally, is you can right now, today. You're in the right place. I want everybody to stand with me all over this house. Jesus said it is not those who are well that need a physician, but it's the sick, the dying, the perishing. See, we cannot cloister behind these walls, but we've got to take Jesus in our daily living to those that need him. Hear me, God saved you to help save somebody else. It's not the my four and no more philosophy. Me and mine are in, we're just going to mind our business and try to make it to heaven. No, no, no. Heaven does not rejoice when you get a new car or a nice house or your bank account is healthy. But the Bible says, let one sinner make his way to God and the angels begin. Hallelujah! Hear me. We cannot wait for the lost to find their way. We cannot wait for the blind to see the truth. We cannot wait for the hopeless to stumble across faith. Our task is to go to where they are. Show them the way. Take them by the hand. Open their eyes to the truth. Preach to them the word of faith. Every organization has a purpose. The purpose of Apple is to make amazing technology and to make money, and they're doing it. Thank God for Apple. Hallelujah. I love my iPhone and my MacBook. They have fulfilled their mission. The purpose of a school is to educate their students. The purpose of a church is to seek and to save the lost. Never forget that. I love and attend my church because it's where I got saved, and it's where it helps me to stay saved. 
Hear me, the world doesn't need another church building. They need a real church. They don't need religion. They need somebody to point them to a personal experience. In God's infinite wisdom, when he died, he left something that is unlike anything else in the world, the church, the bride of Christ, his hands and his feet, his eyes and his ears. We are that bride. We are that bride. We should not try to water down the truth. We should not try to make the church something she's not. She's his bride, his body, his church. So I'm going to open up this altar right now. First of all, I want to open this altar to anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. I invite you to come down to one of these prayer counselors or you can pray by yourself. If you need to repent of your sins, if you need to invite God into your life, I invite you to do that today. If you've already done that and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God can fill you with His power and with His strength. I invite you to come down and receive it. It's a gift that's still for the church today. You can have it. By the way, I love my church because we still believe in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. I love my church because if you have never identified with Christ in the waters of baptism, Romans says we are buried with Him. You can be buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You can be baptized today. That's what I love about my church. We don't do it twice a year. We do it whenever you want to. You can be baptized. And you know what else? If you've done all that and checked all those boxes, I want to ask you by faith to step out, and I want you to ask God to help awaken you to the last point I preached about, and that is our responsibility to reach the lost. If you're a committed believer, guess what? You know what we're going to do, by the way? We're not waiting until 2019 to start strong. I'm preaching today. I want, I want to encourage you to become faithful to your church. Be faithful in your giving and your attendance. Be faithful. Decide that you're going to join a ministry team and serve. Decide I'm going to make an impact. You don't have to wait till January to do it. You can start right now. So I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and say, God, I want you to help me. If not before the end of the year, but in 2019, I want you to help me lead somebody to Jesus. That's it. Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come. God, I need you. Come on, you might, can, I, can I just say this? I wasn't even planning. I need to say this for somebody. Let's play just a little softer. Some of you have been wounded in the church. Can I tell you, some of you are hearing all the great flowery things and in your heart you're saying, but you don't know what happened in my church. Some of you have been hurt by people in the church that should have been your safe place and they were not. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to forgive them. And give God's body another chance. I don't know who I'm talking to. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in for that person or that church or that institution. Hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to represent that body of Christ. Forgive us. Forgive the body. Forgive that member of the body. They're not the whole body. They were a flawed member. They were a broken member. They were a hurting member. That's not the whole body. You might have got hurt by a member by a part of the body, but it's not the body. I'm asking, oh, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody right now. It's time for you to forgive the church. 
a new commitment to God's body. Oh, I feel that so strong. Let's all begin to pray right now. Whether you're in this altar or in your seat, I want you to begin to pray right now. God, help me. Help me to love the church. Help me to forgive somebody that's wounded me in the church. Help me to make a fresh commitment to my church. Help me, God, to make a fresh commitment to one of soul, to reach somebody. God, help me to understand that although the church is flawed, she's your body. Help me to love the body of Christ. Let's begin to worship together. Let's begin to pray together. Go ahead. Hallelujah. I need you. You need me. Come on.
for his body. Thank you for the people of God in your life. Yes, God, I thank you that you didn't leave me alone. You left me with a body of believers. You left me with people who will help me and love me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want you to go out of here and love the church, love the people of the church. Again, let me remind you of my request because I want all the people that we're friends with on social media, I want them to know there's a great church here. Take some selfies. Take some group pictures. Make sure they can see your pictures so they know your church. This is the church website. Let them see there's a great church. Put it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you're on, Snapchat. Get the word out. We got a great church here. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I'll see you next week.